0: Okay, um, I think that this is the most important thing in terms of getting ready for a tournament. Obviously, tournament prep is. Um, but I think that it is the most overlooked thing in terms of prepping for debate, generally speaking. Um, people don't think about how a tournament will interact with their and body um, throughout the week and then during the weekend. Um, I think that even like at a camp like this, like think about the stuff that you've eaten this week and then be like, would I eat that at home? No, absolutely not. Wow, well, call me out. <laughs> right? No, I mean, like, I'm it's calling <laughs> me out too, right? Like, it's it's literally everybody except for Louisa, apparently, who's eating what looks like a salad. Yeah. Okay. okay. No. Round, yeah. yeah. Do what? I've significantly upgraded my diet this week. At home, it's usually like Hot Pockets or something, right? Like, or. Yeah, 100%, I did drink a whole half gallon of fruit punch last night, and my body is interacting in very negative ways. But the point is, the point is, is we should think about these things in particular in the context of debate. Um, the first thing I think is important to talk about is when does tournament prep start? Uh, I think that tournament prep starts uh, at the beginning of the week, so it starts after the last tournament. Um and the most important thing, I think, about this is communicating with your team to determine the things that you need to do for the next tournament, right? And we'll talk about like, what those things look like specifically later, but that team communication on the Monday after the tournament is super important. It, y'all don't talk about debate on the way home. Just, like, don't. The tournament's too fresh in your mind. You're going to be tilted about some things. You need to sleep before it's over, right? That's, like, the number one rule that I tell people, mainly because I'm driving and I've just judged 15 debates and I don't want to hear about it on the drive home. But, like, I think it's good that you have a period where you can, like, um, decompress after a tournament and not think about it. You don't have to think about it if you don't want to, right? That, that being said, on that Monday, I think you go back in and you, like, got to, like, have conversations about what you're going to do. Um, I think group brainstorming is a really good opportunity in there. And the third thing on here I think is also, or fourth thing I think is more important maybe, um, I think that making fun of apps that other people read is really good for team building. Um, and I know that's, like, silly, but, like, that is one of the things that, like, immediately gets everybody on the same page, right? Like, if you go in and, like, you can just, like, make fun of something, it makes it much easier to cut evidence against it, determine why it's bad. Like, it's almost like a game, right? Um, you'll hear AFs this year, uh, in particular from, like, larger teams that are, like, very well constructed, right? Making fun of that AF makes it less intimidating. It allows you to, like, see cracks in it, right? Or, or like, it allows you to see cracks in good debaters, Right? These people are not invincible so make fun of them um but don't do it to their face that's disrespectful um yeah just do it behind their back yeah, yeah. Their back. yeah that's that fine so much less yeah yeah 100 um the other thing i think is is once you get closer to the tournament week and i think this is more this is another very important thing is examining the tournament schedule and determining times that you will have time to decompress um, some tournaments will not provide you with a lot of those opportunities. And so like the expectation that you can just like, I've got 30 minutes after this round. Like tournaments run 30 minutes behind almost every weekend. Um, and so making sure that you plan time for yourself to just like put in headphones, relax and stare at a wall um, is important, right? Like that's the stuff that helps you keep going for those other rounds. Some of the tournaments that you go to this year will have double octofinals. Um, and that means you're judging, you're probably debating five prelim debates and then potentially four ELIM debates and then turning around and doing it again. If you don't allow yourself time to decompress, then it's like impossible for you to turn around and do that again. Um, the best example that I can think of is the UCM tournament, which is like the, the schedule is constructed in such a way that it really is like stacked on top of itself. So there's a four-round tournament and then probably octofinals And then you so we started finals uh, the year that Lakia won I think at like ten thirty p.m. Um, and then you turn around and do it again the next day. In a four round tournament, you don't have room for error. If you go two two, there's a likelihood that you will not advance, right? And you won't qual because 2-2s twos don't qual unless they break, or unless they're in the top half, right? So no, they have to break. break. Okay, yeah. Wait, LD tournaments are they
1: on like Sundays, Saturday and Sundays like normally? Mostly. They're I'll on Saturday and Sunday, yeah. Or is it like a on
0: Friday as well for free Yeah. There, there's not a set tournament structure necessarily. Um, usually I th- usually it's on it runs with individual events, uh, but there are some tournaments that don't have individual events that will run on Fridays. Um, that's part of the thing, is that it runs in the same patterns as individual events or close to them, which means that like, the scheduling is like weird sometimes. Did you, you look like you have something you wanted to add? The good? most
2: prominent Friday tournament is Webster. Yeah. Other than that, there's, like, no other Friday tournaments. Webster, St. Louis, Louis, you'll go. It is a joke for Parley. Like, people in Parley hate it as a Parley tournament. But in LD, it's, like, the best LD tournament
0: in the regular season. Like, far and away the biggest. It offers three divisions, which is really dope. Three divisions,
2: Um, and all of them generally break to octos or more.
0: Yeah. Um, and, And Webster, I think, is a really good example of a tournament that you need to, like, carve out time for yourself. Especially, like, I don't think that... Anybody in this room will likely do Parley at Webster, um, but like, do what? Friday. <laughs> you, you don't want to, um, yeah. but like, yeah. But like, but like, yeah, because like at some point in, in that day, it's a good example, you would be doing nine debate rounds in a day, and they do not, they do not. 10 on Friday, it's not. It's 10, it, 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 I thought they changed it, but, well, 10, right? And they, there's no time, they don't stop the prep timer. So if you're late after an LD round, they will continue running prep, right? So you just can't prep then. There's no other way they could do it, though. That's re- Yeah, it's not it's not their fault. It's just the schedule, the way the schedule is built, right? But that's my point is that when you look at that schedule, there is no time for you to decompress after rounds. Uh, if you're a smoker, that's I know when I smoked, that was the way that I decompressed, uh, which is not a healthy way to do it. Don't do that. But, like, that was ways that you, like, you calmed down after the round, you got yourself ready for another round, right? Um, you have to plan those times, I think, and looking at the schedule beforehand allows you to do that. Um,. I think this is, for debaters, um, one of the most overlooked things in the world. I'm shook that nobody does warm-ups, really, before tournaments anymore. Some people do. I get that. Um, But like, there's a reason that AFA, individual events folks, do vocal warm-ups every day, and it's because when you wake up, you're not ready to compete your voice is not ready to, you're not ready to speak at the rate of of delivery that you would normally do like immediately when you wake up. And so just like a a runner stretches their muscles and stuff before anything, like doing these drills prior to the, immediately prior to the tournament is absolutely critical. I think that doing the pin drills. I don't think pin drills necessarily good before the tournament, um, but reading forwards and backwards, doing and drills, like those types of things, get your mind and your or those get your mouth warmed up. I think those are, those are incredibly important. I think one thing that people should do uh, in between rounds or before tournaments is to do speech redos. Like if it's if it's 7:30 and you don't have anything going on, why not do a speech redo? Like it gets your mind going and thinking about debate, especially about thinking about generating arguments um, early before the first round. And it also allows you to do like any of the other drills we've talked, like any of the other like speech drills we've talked about. It's just giving a speech before the tournament. That those are the kind of things that get your mind in the right place for for rounds. Um,
2: and the longer you wait to do speech reduce, the diminishing returns you get. Yeah. So doing them at tournament when you're still there and the round is fresh and the flows make sense to you, it'll be a way better reduce than any other
0: practice. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um. I also think that like you should, uh, and this is this is a little bit before like the actual being at the actual tournament. I also think that watching other formats of debate, um, and like this says, like stealing their ethos, like the monster of Steel Earth basketball stars of talent, um, is like the exact same thing you would do. The amount of people that you've seen like debate likely have like watched someone from policy or watched someone from parley or whatever event, and they've taken something from that person and they've utilized like that thing, that skill, that like word, that phrase in order to win debate rounds in another form of debate. Right, I think that is one of the most underutilized things that people do without, like, or like outside of tournament prep. Um, the best example I can think of is there was a Michigan team that used to play the Imperial Death March when they were walking into rooms as an ethos boost, right? Because people would just be like, "Don't know what they're doing." I, I'm a Star Wars nerd, so I think it looks cool. I'm sure people don't think it looks cool, but this was in policy, so probably everybody thought it looked cool. Um, but like, my point is, it's like those types of ethos things, or like, um, there was a team from Baylor that would always play. Um, it was a kid I coached in high school. He would always play a uh, uh, Alaska songs. Uh, like Alaska is a drag queen from RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, would always play Alaska songs when walking into a room, right? And, like, those were, like, ethos boosts that they would be able to take. I'm not saying play music when you walk into a room, but I'm saying that people have thought about these things in depth and how to boost their ethos enough and how to make themselves look like they've won the debate before the debate started. Like, people have already done these things. And so, like, when you watch another debater and you, like, steal, like, a little part of their style and make it your own, like, those are things that benefit you in the long term, but also, like, benefit you in the short term. Right? Like, you are generating a debate ethos by taking little parts of everybody else, because that's Mm. all we are as humans. That's a a philosophical discussion for a different day. But like you are making it harder for judges to vote against you when you do stuff like that.
2: Pro tip, the 2015 CETA topic, or 16, was uh, energy climate. So like watching CETA rounds online from that year not only will teach you things that policy debaters have said to win high-powered rounds, but They will also be making carded arguments about climate that
0: are relevant to you this year. Absolutely. So
2: it's like double. Benefit. It was 2012-2013,
0: That's my knowledge. Was it Yeah. The point is, the point is, is that like you can learn something from every person, and so like taking some stuff of their, taking like part of their style to like generate your own style, I think is really important. Um. I think that. NFA is like in a weird place, and I think in a good place in terms of there being. I think it's genuinely true in debate generally that you do not win debate just by being a technical good debater. You just don't, right? If people like to vote for you, it's so much easier to win debates. There have been national championships that have been determined on whether or not somebody likes to vote for you, one hundred percent, no question in my mind. And is that wrong? Probably, right? But like that's why this community, this is why every debate format is still a persuasive communicative event even at the highest speeds, right? Like you still have to have like some form of ethos and that's what helps you with debates. And so generating that from other people I think is good and important. Let's talk about the workload and let's be honest. How many times on Monday have you come in, you said these are all the apps I saw this weekend, you've divvied them up, and as soon as somebody said, I'll cut that, you and your mind were like, that's not gonna get cut. 100%, that person will not do that. I think that one of the most important things that teams can do is be honest about the workload that they're willing to put into the team. Right? I know that on any team that I've ever coached on, somebody will be like, I'll I'll cut answers to these three F's. And I'm like, you should just be like a one F person. Right? Like you can do the you can do the one and C for one F, right? But you will not do it for three. And so like being honest about that workload, I think, is important. Um, and it's important for like them to also understand that, right? Like, not everybody has 40 hours a week they can spend on debate, and so, like, being honest about that is important. Um, also, being honest about the time you're willing to spend on it, right? Like, I love playing League of Legends, I would much rather be playing League, well, I don't know about that anymore, but most times I would rather be playing League than um, cutting cards, right? And so, like, if I have to split my time between those things, I know which one I'd rather do, which c- should control the amount of time I spend on debate. Um... I also think that like when you do that and when you're honest about it, it decreases the amount of times you're angry at 8 a.m. Um, the amount of times that you've opened a file um, and there's two cards in it against an AF that you should be beating um, is frustrating. Like You shouldn't have to do that. And so, A, understanding what's in your file before you go to the tournament, but B, trusting your teammates to be able to do like an amount of work is super important um, in terms of pre- or pre-tournament prep. Um, another thing I think is important is... Um, and I'll I'll use I think Lakia is a very good example of this Uh, Lakia debated for me at at Wiley um, and she would have a monthly um, planner that determined every day the work that she would do on debate and the cards that she would cut that day and I'm not saying you need to do it for the month right but like starting Monday and being like by Tuesday I will have three cards cut that are uniqueness takeouts to this disad that I saw last weekend right Instead of just being like, I have to nebulously, I have to cut. I have to answer this F. I'll do it sometime, right? If you know, okay, these three cards today, these three cards tomorrow, these three cards on Thursday, right? That helps to give you a clear view of where you're at and where you should be by the end of the week. Yeah.
1: Starting that process as early in the week as possible is very important because a lot of people say, okay, I'm taking Monday off because I'm taking Monday off, and then you say, okay, Tuesday, I'm gonna figure out what to cut, and I'll start cutting on Wednesday. Okay, Wednesday. and Thursday before you have to go somewhere process so on starting that process on, is, hard, yeah. but starting that process on is necessary especially
0: back and that's why I think I think that there's a unique difference between the workload that you have to do in Lincoln Douglas and the workload that you may have to do in other activities I think for instance Parley, I think is much more difficult to write blocks in because like it, you have, they have to be much bigger they have to be very concise they have to be like very specific in most LD rounds you will not read more than three cards on any given politics shell to answer it. The amount that you have to put into answering something in LD is substantially less because the time is substantially less. It's not that the cards are worse, right? It's just the amount of time you spend answering it is way less. And so like when people show up on Monday and they've got a 50 card hedge file, I'm like, dope, you need five of these, right? You'll never read more than that. And so like, I think this is an example of like, work smarter, not harder. You have to understand what you're doing, right? You have to understand what the goal is. And keeping that type of schedule I think helps you to keep that goal. Um, that's really important too for uh, mentally
2: gearing yourself up for debating the monolithic teams is in our activity, some of the best programs are very bad at working smarter instead of harder. Like if you look at like Western Kentucky's files or most states' files, they like pride themselves on how big those files are. Yeah. And they're just so large. It's just like that doesn't give them a competitive advantage against you as much as they think. Like, you can have much smaller files that are the cards you actually need and actually have time to read. And, like, that means that they're, like, they're leaking time advantage that they could have on other teams. Every
3: time I beat a Western Kentucky debater or a debater from, like, a big school like that that I wasn't, didn't feel fully prepared for going into it, then they like, oh, fuck, were they going to run against me? And every single time I won it because I read their freaking cards. <laughs> and, like, in detail, I was like, that
0: doesn't help them, this doesn't help them, this is a judge that got nothing and the did, like half the time, honestly. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I also think that in terms of actually prepping this, I think that you need to do two things. Uh, the first, in terms of the workload, I think Google Docs is really good for this because it doesn't generate uh, extra copies of it when you edit it like a Dropbox document would. Um, but having an Intel list that's on Google Docs that you can all edit, I think is super important. Um also I think that each uh tournament gets its own page, right? So that you can see progressively what people are reading, whether or not they won or lost, or like what, what's going on, right? Um having that Intel sheet that's like really concise helps you to control like the kind of research you know you need to do um and the research that's already been done. So like you're not duplicating efforts. The point is is like Google Docs is really good in terms of managing um your team and the and the, the assignments that's happening. I also love um I think it's called Asana. Um you can create projects in this. It's like an app, right? Ooh, an app. I'm old. Um you can uh, create projects in that and then people can take them or be assigned them, right? So like if you create an asana, you create a project for your team, then you can create like assignments in that project and you can get on and be like, um Emily's like, I'm gonna work on this F, right? And Alan's like, I wanna work on this F. And so you can just like take that and that's yours now, right? Which means you don't even ha- like, I understand it's Monday, you just get back from a debate tournament, you probably hate everybody you're on the team with, you need a day to decompress without them, take it, right? You don't have to see them in order to divvy up assignments, right? Like, that process can be done from a distance. And so, like, that's fine, right? That's an easy way for you to resolve that. Um... Another thing I think is important is cutting, especially at the beginning of the year, cutting stuff that's out of your wheelhouse in terms of uh, prior tournaments is important. If you are bad at answering criticisms, you should answer a K at the beginning of the year Um, and then have somebody check it, right? Because you have to know how to answer those things. They're not gonna go away. The wishing has been done. They're not gonna go away, right? KFs are, are not going to go away. And so like understanding how to answer those things and being in charge of like prepping that strategy is super important in terms of learning how to construct a one and see in another debate where you might not have the same time to prep for it. Um, I I remember uh, Kyle uh, Dennis once told me that if you never give the perfect AR or PM or if you never give the perfect PMR, you'll never know what it looks like. Right? And so that's why when you do redos and stuff like that, you just do them constantly over and over and over again. Same thing when you're constructing a one and C, you never know what the perfect one and C is until you build it, right? And so like when you're building, you need to build in one and C's over and over and over again, so you know what the perfect one is. Um, the last thing I think in terms of the workload is generics are important, and generics will be super important on this topic because okay. there are about a million different mechanisms to which someone can get to an impact. The predictable parts of this topic are the types of energy that are generated and investments, right? And so when you're building files pre-tournament, you need to make sure that those files are up to par and like ready to go. Your generics have to be on point in order for you to like win debates in rounds that you haven't seen apps before. At big tournaments, there's a risk that teams will just like break new apps, and you have to have something to say. And I think that those generics give you a unique opportunity to do that. Um, I kind of talked about uh, Intel. Um, I also think that well I was never a very good policy debater, um, but I did sometimes cut cards, not often, but sometimes. Um, watching someone in an, in an out round or like a final round uh, read one of your files to beat like an NDT team is a really good feeling. Um, the same thing is true in, in LD, I think. When you're like when you're watching someone read a file that you've constructed, um, and they beat like the number one seed of the tournament with it, that's a super dope feeling. Um, and so I think that it's important to generate like habits uh, that that contribute to that, right? So putting hits out on other debaters where you're like, I need somebody to answer this F, I I need somebody to answer this because I need to be able to beat it in this Elam debate is important, right? that includes your entire team. It generates, like, team spirit and also, like, helps you to prep for the tournament, right? Like, it's, like, a fun thing. It's... I don't know if the way that I've worded that sounds like it's fun, Um, but, like, I think that it's good. Um, So having a working spreadsheet of affirmatives and negative strategies people do, um, I think, are are critical for Tournament Intel. I think that's easily done on Google Docs. I, I think that there's not... I don't think there's, like, probably a lot... There shouldn't probably be a lot of opinion about that because it's probably just true. Um... But being able to access those things at any point and being able to know what people are reading is important. I know that, like, there's a habit, I think, in LD where people will do that for, like, the first two or three tournaments and then it kind of just all falls apart. Um, That's a problem. Um, The flip side, too, is I don't trust uh, the – I don't think that it's possible at this point uh, because it's not – not everybody's bought into the process yet, but most people have. Uh, Trust the wiki. Um, and so having actually, and people don't update it at the tournament most of the time. And so having that working intel like at the tournament allows you to get ahead of other people. Um, I also think this one's probably more important. There, you need to have a working spreadsheet of judge- judges at the tournament um, for a couple of reasons. Alex yesterday was it yesterday? Yeah, talked about uh, one of the most or I can't remember. Yeah, you talked about it. But it's one of the most important things to know about judges is they all lie about what they do, what they like and don't like in debate. Every single person lies about their judgment philosophy, whether it's what they can handle in terms of speed, whether it's what they like or what their preferences are, they to some degree lie. Um, That's why um, it's important for you to take down, type out RFDs um, and have those RFDs like analyzed and put them in this document. Um, You'll know how even if somebody says, I don't mind conditional arguments, you can all vote on conditional arguments, but they have never voted on a, or like they've never like voted the conditionality as good, right? You know that's a lie, right? Or even if it's not a lie, like more times than not, it's not true, right? And so keeping track of the way that judges vote, I think is important in terms of seeing like their preferences that they are maybe not aware of, right? That allows you to, to co- like construct one and Cs or, or one ACs that are most efficient in terms of winning that judge, right? I think that Shanna was a really good example that was brought up yesterday, where like people are like, Shanna won't vote for moral obligations, but if you don't say the word moral obligation, she doesn't have a problem with ethics arguments, right? You're just you're making an argument about moral obligations. She just doesn't like that phrase, so don't make that phrase, right? So like you would not know that because that's like not a thing a judge would tell you, right? I think that those things are, pr- are particularly important in terms of constructing that strategy. The last part is having a round report spreadsheet template done before you walk into a tournament and you're able to replicate very easily, I think is important. Round reports are the raw information that you feed into the rest of this process, right? Um, who you debated against, what they read, what were the tricks for the AF, and um, who the judge was and how they voted, I think uh, give you uh, uh, so much information at the tournament that people know you'll be ready for. Um, I remember at Western Kentucky a couple of years ago, uh, Bailey debated Tieran around um, and read D&G um, against a critical AF, I believe. Um, and so we knew in the Octos debate later that he would likely read D&G against us again. We had the shell. So we had a we had a 2AC ready for that, or 2, uh, a, 1AR ready for that before we walked into the room. He reads D&G. He goes for D&G. We win the debate, right? Having, but if you don't have that tournament intel, if you don't know that these are, like, how debaters respond in specific instances, and you can bait out those arguments, then you can't ever do that, right? And so keeping that is important. The other thing is, the amount of, t- the amount of times that a debater from round one has come up to me after round four and said, hey, what did you think about my debate? Um, and I'm like, who are you? I don't know you, right? Um, is wild. Because, like, you just as debaters tend to forget things, like, after they happen. As a judge, I forget things after it happens. Um, and so I think that maintaining this spreadsheet allows you to not forget that and allows you to have a way more clear memory. Like John said earlier about doing redos, is like the further you get away from that, the less real it becomes. The same thing is true with Intel. If you wait till Monday to report the apps you saw based on flows that you made during your round, you will not have an accurate report of that. You will have missed something, right? Fill that out while the judge is, making, while the judge is like, typing out their RFD or whatever, right? Yeah. Three I, that real quick. I think another thing that you can do in that instance is like having speech docs valuable, but also like you can edit their speech doc. Type how they use those those, those pieces of evidence in the AR so that you know what their strat is, right? If you're relying on speech docs, download them after
1: the end of the round as soon as you can. Some schools are starting to remove documents from speech drops after speech drop rounds are done. So don't shady.
2: Spreadsheet for the like Intel 2, Your David's right that you should not rely on the paperless site for LD. So for those of you who don't know, nfld.paperlessdebate.com is the case list for LD, um, and you can't rely on that because people don't update it as regularly as they should. But there's no reason why you can't hyperlink the debaters in your spreadsheet to their paperless page. So like in your Google Drive like spreadsheet you can just like click on the name of your person you, like you, maybe you have no Intel yet, right? But if that person's hyperlinked in your spreadsheet, you can at least check Kind list and see what they read before and do so extremely quickly when you're like in a time press to go around. It's like right there click and you're there and they're in their thing. So that's like another like quality of life improvement that you can make to the spreadsheets to super help you. Um, and then the final thing that we did that we haven't like capitalized on it yet because last year was the first year we did it and I wanted to wait till we have enough data but we have like a Google form that the debaters have to read their ballots on our team and then input into the Google form the judge that it was, the side they were, the opponent, the speaker points that they got for the round, and then they have to code their RFD. So there's like drop-down menus, like if the negative one, what was the RFD? And there's like eight choices or whatever where I've like coded the most eight obvious like RFDs that a judge could give. And then the same thing exists for the app, so just like a drop-down menu And so now I have this, like, massive amount of data from a Google Form input as, like, the students on the team kept doing that. And for us, it's super relevant because we debate six tournaments in a conference where the teams are the same at every tournament. And so seeing the judges that often and getting longitudinal data on how they judge, like, is extra helpful for us. So maybe it's not worth the effort on a team that doesn't see the same judges all the time. Um, But it was just an easy way. Like, you can do it on their phone because it's a Google form that sizes for a phone really well, or they can do it on their computer and it's just like a link, a bookmark they go to and they look through their ballots. It also forces you to read your ballots with a critical lens, trying to code the decision. Like which of these descriptions of the decision applies best to like the, the, rate, the debate round that's on this ballot. And like it really helps you do that. So there's lots of ways to do route reports and trying to be innovative and technologically advanced helps you. Like there's lots of ways to improve the process and to make it as slick as possible. Um, to do that, and I'm happy to like share the form with people if they like want to know like how to adjust it for their team or whatever. Like I can share it, share it with you. Um, their forms are pretty easy to make on like Google. They're not that hard. Um, and then it, like the data that the form goes goes into a Google sheet. So there's like a sheet that has like the raw data, and like we're still trying to figure out how do we make the raw data into useful data. But we're gonna keep collecting the data until we figure that out.
0: I also think that like this is a long game strategy too. Um, I think the NFA has the NFA national tournament will likely have the most varied judging throughout the year because it is just like such a massive pool. They will have to pull in people from the IE pool. They'll have to pull massive amounts of community folks in. Um, the people who indicate they're willing to judge debate, the coach IEs, are the same people probably every year, right? Or or similar people, which means that nationals last year, if you collected data on the IE judges that were judging debate. You will have data this year, right? So like that is like a year a yearly process I think, and like you're not going to hit it 100 percent of the time, but like the one round that you have data on an IE judge and you know how they voted in a round like gives you valuable insight. Like it makes a 50 50 coin flip a 60 40 coin flip, and that's good, right? So I think that that type of like long term data is really important. Uh, to like
2: take you back on that really quickly, the uh, you have friends at Hermes and. All the time, in whatever format of debate you do, you're like, hey, who the hell is this judge? You're either A, asking the ballot table who it is, or you're like, let's look at the pairings on Tag Room, see who judged them, do I know the people that they judged? And you're like, oh, let's go ask Boyer, because Lafayette had that judge last round. Um, I will, My debater, or myself, will be giving you information on a judge that you did not know. And almost always, you do a good job of incorporating that into the round you're about to have. But what doesn't happen with that kind of detail is it doesn't get. You, like, got it for that instance, you utilized it in that round, but then poof,
0: it's gone. So next round, another de- debater from the same school walks up to Boyer and is like, hey, who's this judge? And you're like, I well, just I told your teammate." To you <coughs> no, for sure.
2: Schools, but, like, it just means three tournaments later, if that judge shows up as a hire or whatever, you shouldn't have to ask me again, which mm-hmm. I will answer again, obviously, but, like... But just, I'll be annoyed this time. Like, no, I'm no, just I, And I won't even be annoyed, but I'm just saying the more data that you collect over time, the better. Yeah. even if that data is someone from not your school like make sure you still record mm-hmm. it especially if you agree like if i give you feedback and then the round happens and you're like damn that was totally right like i should not have gone for tea like or like even though they were a lay i went for tea and it worked because Boyer told me they would listen if i held their hand on tea and then like you win the round on tea and then like that's data you need to tell your teammates it doesn't get to your teammates unless you record it
0: yeah absolutely i need to know
2: what
1: this
0: We're gonna start, so like start having judge. We're just gonna start having judge social capital scores. Graphic. Like, seems <laughs> here I really want to do that. Anyways, I want to have like a best judge turn nice. award, like most not not most prepped, but like.
2: At Hell sales, sales tournament, Doggett and I read ballots to try to figure out who the best
0: judge was. It was me. I've never been to that tournament. Is it always Dave
1: Tremble? Like,
0: <laughs> it is always Dave Tremble. All, right. All right, now it's the fun stuff. Let's talk about food at tournaments first of all I, I, guess, I guess let me ask this question before uh, stop reading ahead let me ask this question before does anybody have any question about like anything we've talked about I know like a lot of it was just like boring record your data but like it is important it does help you win debates your nerd coaches will probably do it for you so you probably won't have to worry about it but like helping in that process and knowing how to understand and interpret that data is important and like will help you win
2: that, that's important like, even though someone else might do it, it will work better for you if you're involved. Mm-hmm. So, like, every... And that's true in every step of preparation. So, like, maybe a coach is, like, working on a one C, and no one else takes the assignment. But if you can be involved in any way in that creation, even if it's, like, you come in during an office hour for 20 minutes and you're, like, do you need help finding a card or whatever, you will understand now the context in which that card is being used in the file better than everyone else on your team. So, like, every that you can assist, even if it's not your job, and if it's not your intel, but you like help someone else deal with those reports, like helps you. Like for instance, Central Michigan, uh, Audriana Schabernach, like one of their best debaters, one of the better debaters in the country last year, she was it put herself in charge of like filing the stuff that her coaches and teammates cut within their like Dropbox. So other debaters didn't get involved in that process. So Adriana is the one who knew where every card was she didn't cut them all. She didn't cut very many of them at all, but because she was like filing them, she knew where they all were, she knew what their purpose was, and like used that as her way to like, figure it out and be involved in the process. So any amount that you can be involved in the Intel process, the file creation process, all of that stuff like helps give you context and like knowledge and information that your teammates don't have um, about files, and it just like increases your outcomes.
0: I, I forgot about something, and I do want to go back to it real quick. Um, it is here. Um... The last thing, and this is like something I didn't... I looked at the fake debate rounds and I just like went from there. Um, You don't need friends. You don't need good friends to be good at debate. Um, You don't need friends to be good at debate, actually. Um, Because after the first tournament... Do what? Yeah, this is what I keep telling myself too, because I'm trying to justify the fact that I have no friends. Um, Oh, it's... No, just kidding, John. We're friends. Uh, (laughs) um, Wow, it got so sad. I'm so Sorry. (laughs) It it was sadder than I thought it would be, Um, and I just like stare into the distance for the next five minutes while this lecture finishes. Um, There are so many debates that have happened online um, that are recorded that you don't need anything other than to listen to the speech to be able to give a rebuttal to. Um, It doesn't matter the format of debate. Like John said and and Booker said, the 2012-2013 policy topic is energy. If you know that there's a really dope because you've watched these debates if you know that there's a really dope climate change debate that happens at the ndt in the third elam debate or whatever in in octos or something go listen to that debate and then give an answer to one of their speeches like you don't need to be able to have the evidence in front of you to flow it and know their extensions and know what the arguments are to give a rebuttal right and so like go debate with the best teams in the country right like go debate against them that's how you will get better at debate i remember i used to be on a team with a dude um who would randomly extend a counter plan because he was bad at extending counterplan answers and so like he would just like randomly throughout the day at a tournament be like extend the permutation it says this this and this next go to solvency extend this this and this right just like out of the blue but like it's how he trained himself to be able to answer counterplans better um and so after the first tournament you also should have six rounds of redos that you have the potential to do um One strategy that we had talked... We had talked about, I guess, in just that last round. But one strategy I think is really good for redos is that you shouldn't just do the redo the way that you saw it happen, right? In a debate where you have the option of going for two disadvantages, case and topicality, you have four different strategies minimum that you can go for in this debate to win it. You should give redos on all four of those types of debate, right? The amount of times the debaters give a 2AC or or an NR and they're just like... There was only one way to win that debate, so that's the only way I did it. I kept doing that redo until like, I got good at it. Limits you from every other opportunity in the debate. How many times have you, <laughs> I, it's frustrating to watch as a judge. How many times do you, are you like, I'm just a better tea debater, but the other debater, I'm sorry, you, it just happened. Like, I'm a better, I'm not going that, I'm a better tea debater, but they only have an, like two answers on the counter plan, right? So you don't go for the counter plan because you're better at T, right? Well, they spent two minutes answering T and 10 seconds answering the counter plan. You should go for the counter plan, right? This happens every single year at least four times in rounds that I watch. That doesn't include everybody else, right? There are smarter strategies and if you don't take time to go for all of them, to explore every opportunity, then you can never like fully fill it out. I always have this thing um, that I started saying at Wiley, and it is that I think the debate is like a fl- I think that life is like a flowchart. to be fair, but I think debate in particular is like a flowchart. is like if this happens, here's a good example. If they don't say topical version of the AF when they're negative reading topicality, it's an easy win. If they do say it, and if, they, if, if the AF concedes it, I'm going for T, right? That's just the flowchart. If they concede topical version of the AF, I'm going for T. If they concede a link on a disad, ad, I'm going for the disad right? Unless it's impact turned, right? I think there are flow chart ways you can determine whether or not you go for arguments, but you will not know what that flow chart looks like unless you have gone for that argument before, right? Does that make sense? I might be ruining debate for people because I think I'm describing it in the most boring, (laughs) mundane way possible, Um, but I think it is good.
3: A-strat, a A strat. And yeah, they, they tell you like go for this if you need to, but A strat. Like, it'll, especially if you expect like the answers on the A strat to be bad, and suddenly they're they're actually like pretty good. And B strat answers are their B strat answers are terrible, but you still don't go for B-strat, because that A strat was so fire. Get over it.
0: One of the the other thing I think I'll add to that is that, and this is kind of the same thing as like knowing what's in your file. Um, I think that coming together for practice sessions to do practice debates is literally pointless. Um, y'all debate each other enough, I would guess, and you know each other, and so you're not learning anything from those debates other than how to beat somebody that you'll literally never debate. Um, debating, doing redos is valuable, right? If it's Thursday and y'all have practice on Thursday, you should have a conversation about the cards that you cut prior to the tournament. Right? So you have to know what's in those files. Um, the other thing that goes along with this is you should not cut stuff for the way that you answer um, AFS. Right? You should cut stuff for the way that your team collectively could answer something. Uh, a really good example of that is um, when I was at Wiley two years ago, Andre uh, was a, one of the debaters we had. Probably not a K debater. I think it's safe to say he would not have read the K. Um, he was like not a traditional debater, certainly, but like he was just not interested in reading the K. Um, the other debaters on the team that year, very interested in reading K, in particular, like, identity politics. Uh, I think that that year they read Black Feminist Ontology in nearly every debate. Not nearly every debate, but several debates. Um, those are, <laughs> those debate styles are not a, a single 1&C, right? Like, that's multiple 1&Cs. And so if, if Lakia got into a debate against somebody and she had to rely on Andre's 1&C that was just, like, a politics shell, that's bad. Right, like you have limited the way that your partner or your other debaters can view the world um, cut stuff the way that the entire team can read it and that gives you the most opportunity to win let's talk about food stop drinking soda it kills your lung capacity it also coats your throat and sugar and it gives you really bad tummy aches which I'm telling you from experience right now after drinking all that sugar last night it's not ideal at all okay um, this is a joke, but it's also true. Um, I think that most people, when they get to tournaments, are caffeine-starved and like need energy, like Red Bull or coffee or whatever it might be. That stuff is not good for you. At this I'm. <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> not
1: only.
3: No, no, he no he pouring- that's-, that's. Yeah, I literally, and he keeps like literally pointing me. So yeah, that it's was like you doing
0: it no. It's you're the yeah. You're the only one. No, but I mean, every every debater, every single debater has these habits, right? Where they're just like unhealthy because debate as an activity and the tournaments we've constructed lend themselves to being unhealthy. The fact that we have tournaments that we have zero downtime for require you to drink six Red Bulls a day. They do. If you want to if you want to be alive for finals, you have to drink six Red Bulls. And then you've got to cut 4 hours worth of updates after that. You might need six more Red Bulls, right? Like, that's my point, is that, like, these tournaments are incredibly unhealthy, and so identifying ways that you can cut down on that kind of stuff and that impact, I think is important. Um, one of those ways, I think, is planning out where you want to eat before the tournament starts. Uh, the amount of times that, and coaches probably can speak to this, get into a van, what do y'all want to eat? I don't know. I don't care. Right? I'm going to McDonald's then, because it's right there, and I want to go back to the hotel and go to sleep, and I don't care about my body or my health. Right?
3: Who's hungry when they yeah
0: knowing knowing that there is a healthier option or at least like a different option that exists i think allows you to not have to just sit at mcdonald's every night right it allows you to not have to like drink soda or eat like really salt salt covered fries i mean i love that stuff i'm getting hungry actually just thinking about it but my point is is it shouldn't be your only option right like at tournaments you should get at least like one decent meal that you're happy with that you don't like leave afterwards and you're like i hate everything right like you should have those opportunities um, and doing research on the place you're about to go to, I think it's important in terms of accomplishing that. Uh, this is not about meals, but I think this is important too. And I forgot about it. I was gonna make a joke about it earlier after we walked to the Wawas and then walked back in the rain. Is you should check the freaking weather of wherever you're going. Like,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: Not every coach is gonna be that like saint-like, but like just check. It's on your phone, right? Like just check it. Um, I, I think the nationals the year that it was in uh where was that when it was in Wisconsin last Oshkosh, 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 Oshkosh. Eau Claire, Oshkosh. Oshkosh. yeah it was in one of the White White Water okay. yeah so I mean like we drove from Marshall Texas to Wisconsin it was uh it was a change of temperature pretty substantially but like we knew that going into it and so do yeah <laughs> we knew that going into it and so like we came prepared right my point is is like teams showed up to that tournament not prepared with like not a coat right
1: was
0: and I thought he was just oh, no. yeah, no. didn't know right yeah or like uh when when Pi delta was at tennessee state i was like it's gonna be in tennessee it's gonna uh... be it's gonna be 80 and then i showed up and it was like oh it's 40 and i have no coat i don't even have a hoodie right i have short sleeves and jorts that's it and so like and so, like, I, like, had to go to spend $50 on a hoodie at the Tennessee State Store, and that wasn't even open until the third day of the tournament, right? So, like... It's
3: like me buying a $60 hoodie at an
0: airport. <laughs> right? Like, the, the point is, is, like, you have to be aware. You have to be aware of what you're walking yourself into. Um, yeah? There's
2: a concomitant. you don't have to make and it's just like another way that like you take you want to control the things that you need to make decisions on as much as possible and the things that you don't need to make decisions on like what you're going to wear each day based on the weather what kind of restaurants that the team is going to go to uh during the tournament all of that stuff is ways to like reduce decision fatigue so you can focus on the decisions that matter for your outcomes and this is something that maybe is like a little too like micromanagey but if you pick certain tournaments that you do it for, that can be a place where you're like, I put all this extra effort to make decisions before nationals so that at nationals I can focus on my debate assignments, my rounds that I'm having, and like other stuff, and not have to think about like where I'm gonna go, when I'm gonna eat, like what the weather's like. And so just like pick tournaments where you do your best to reduce division, decision fatigue and meals is a place where you can make a ton of headway. And that's why. Even the most type A personalities are like, I don't know where we should eat. Like, people are just wrecked. Like, And it's not just like exhaustion, it is also something called decision fatigue, which is like a very real thing. Like
1: <laughs> so support, if we're on for meals after this, support those
3: things. One time at the Gorlock, we all literally, the entire, uh, John Carroll, it was, there was, two speeches. Uh, were you at the Gorlock, Deb? I don't, I'm not sure if you were. No. But it was it, Zach and two speechies and um, Noelle and myself. And we straight up just didn't fucking eat during this long ass break. So we had no idea what we wanted. We couldn't pick. By the time we got ourselves together, it, it someone needed. Day like didn't eat anything substantive because that was also like the day that everything on Webster's campus specifically was closed. Like it was the stupidest thing. Um, and the only other thing that we didn't mention yet that I feel definitely water. Water, water, oh, yeah. water. If you have if you need if you want caffeine and you haven't had water yet, drink water. I do that. I work at Starbucks. I get free caffeine, I can have as much caffeine as I want the entire time I'm working. If I, at least whenever I find a chance to sit, I but I made a rule for myself before I would get a drink. I would get like the biggest glass of water that we offer in the store, and I would drink that first. And by mm-hmm. the time I'm done with it, I don't need anywhere near as much caffeine. Like uh, if I need any much at all, and like caffeine dehydrates you. If you ha- if mm-hmm. you if it's been a bit since you've had water, to have more water in before you have your next caffeine, like mm-hmm. get a water bottle.
0: Yeah. I yeah. think it works better and faster when you're hydrated too. Yeah. So. That, I'll, I'll go with that one. I also. More effective caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you
3: wake up in the morning feeling like crap and you're like, I didn't even do anything. I didn't eat anything bad. I didn't have any alcohol. Why do I feel like almost kind of hungover? It's because you're dehydrated, and that's what a hangover is. It's because it's just being dehydrated. You're um, dehydrated, drink
0: water. What, one of the things that we. The, I have two things to add to this. One of the things that. Or one of them is, I'll, I'll start with this one because I think it's scheduling wise. Um, it's a lot, oh no, I'll start with the caffeine stuff. That's more important. Um, (laughs) one of the, we, we, uh, the most, one of the most valuable things that happened last year is that we had an article shared in our group that was like five healthy tips for drinking caffeine. Um, and the most valuable thing that I learned from it is you do not drink caffeine when you're waking up. That's the thing that people mess up because your body naturally will wake itself up, right? You should drink caffeine when you're tired and that's it. Well, no. That's my point. Is you have to give yourself body time to wake. You have to give your body time to wake up, because like it will, right? So it's like you're just like speeding the process up and then you don't hurting want to it later. the body function.
2: Yeah. When you yeah. Take the caffeine when your body's done all it can do, mm-hmm. and now it needs a boost.
0: Yeah, which means like probably you're drinking caffeine at like 10 a.m., not at 6 a.m. You know like, what right?
2: else wake up in the morning?
3: And and get ready. The- water. <laughs> yeah, water. Very I good for you. Jumping
0: jacks. Push ups.
3: Sorry, Double D, I gotta do my jumping
1: jacks before
2: (laughs) You know you'd be down. Yeah,
0: hundred percent. No,
1: so Double D um does what is it called? Dynamic Meditation. Dynamic Med you know have you ever seen the Wild
3: Wild West the Cult or Wild Wild Country, the cult video? He stole it it from that Yeah. So this
1: cult does like this insane meditation where they like they like jump jump up and down and and, like breathe really heavily to the point where they sound like monkeys like like, I and eyeing, and don't like, want to do that. Lay down on the floor and get your heartbeat down, and then you get back up and you just scream. And that's what Washburn is <laughs> So basically, uh, don't
0: stay do. in the same hotel as Washburn. Yeah. Is what no, I'm mean. no, no. Like
1: this not the oh. hotels. This happens before prep. So <laughs> i a...
0: So wait, no. So you blend in at IE tournaments, then this is gonna be fine. Okay, yeah. <laughs> People will just be like, vocal warm ups, no big deal. Um. The last thing is, I think, incredibly important. And uh, Booker, you brought up uh, the Webster tournament, and again, this is a no fault of their own. Um, but the schedule at the Webster tournament is so stacked on top of each other. If you're doing two forms of debate, you will miss a meal. Um, and the problem with this tournament is that it is built on top of each other, and they force you to take their food. Um, and so your coach will be like, "Well, you've got cold, you've got cold Emos pizza and some ravioli if you want that, right?" At least they have yeah, no, I'm. Yeah, again, they have it. They have it. The schedule means they have to provide it. It's not
3: good ice cold. But
0: but if you eat it, but likely you'll be eating it an hour after it's been put out because like you're rushing around and you're doing stuff, right? If you do both formats of debate, if you don't, you're probably fine, right? Yeah, or if you do IEs, right? My point is is like you should come prepared with a backup if you don't like cold pizza, right? Like you know you can look at the schedule and talk to your teammates and talk to your coach and predict when these things are going to happen. Get a really high cal- calorie stack so that you have energy in the afternoon right like bring some hummus can can hummus. you yeah hummus. yeah hummus is they're really awesome. good hummus,
1: carrots, peppers,
0: yeah like those types of, just they're beans like just give them a try <laughs> um
1: well, are also yeah <laughs> goods,
0: yeah up- well, absolutely I,
1: I don't know what it is about bananas they're just like wow
0: yeah I'm, I'm it was lying. so it was really funny um, uh, my partner had to go to the emergency room and the doctor was like just eat a couple of bananas and go home um, that was not the problem, but I mean like yeah, it's like that's actually like what people think a lot of times But my point is is you should eat something that will get you through the day or at least get you to your next meal Or like get you to your next free time that you can actually eat something and so planning for those things. I think is important, right? Um, but you so you have to know the tournament schedule beforehand talk to your coaches any of your coaches like don't worry about it Most of that stuff's posted online anyways so, it's either on Speechwire or Joy of Tournaments or Tab room, So, you'll have access to those things if you want to look at it, right? Like, make plans for yourself. Don't wait and let somebody else do it for you. Or else you'll end up hungry. And and then you make poor choices at McDonald's. Or poor slash- slash-
1: choices in round. round, which is
0: poor- Or, yeah, or poor choices in Round. I don't know. <laughs> have you ever, like, have you, have you eaten a 20 piece McNugget before? Like, that's a poor choice, right? And and yeah. like- <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Of Cat Nats, my
3: junior year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: wait, that's the timeout. Timeout, timeout. Nobody, wait, nobody has ever eaten a 20 piece chicken nugget in here before? Not since junior Year
1: after
0: So one person. So
1: one person.
0: Yeah, thank you, John. I was so I was so thirsty.
3: Yeah. Wait, nobody What? Yeah. That's policy debate. You got to You got a smoke break during
0: the one ar. Um, last one is relax.
1: (laughs) Relax.
0: Yep. Everybody needs to relax.
1: Meditation. We
3: do
0: that. Yeah. Um. Oh, this. this, Yeah. This is where my drink water thing was. So drink water, stop smoking, go to sleep at a reasonable time. Um, I promise you, this is the same thing with test prep. Um, and I think that I think that people probably still preach this. Is like, if you stay up all night uh, cramming for a test, you will not do any better than if you go to sleep at at nine p.m or 10 10 PM, whenever is a reasonable bedtime for you, right? You just don't do better. Um, So having that extra amount of sleep is like so valuable. In particular, debate tournaments is valuable because debate is not a sprint, it is a marathon, especially swing tournaments, right? Tournaments where you have to stay up till midnight doing something, cutting cards, you're not gonna be as competitive, right? You're just not going to. Um, So sleep is super important. And good sleep is super important. Um, I think that one of the things that talking to coaches about that's super important is knowing who you're rooming with uh, before the tournament and making sure those people are conducive to the way that you sleep and the way that you operate at tournaments. Um, (laughs) That's generated some conflict already. I guess you need to talk to Louisa. But like, you know what I mean? Like, knowing that the people that you're rooming with are willing to like Go to bed at eleven, or at least like turn the lights off and shut up at eleven, so you can go to bed. Is like valuable, right? Like knowing that knowing that that's like something you don't have to generate conflict about is valuable. This is like John said earlier. Th- these are decisions that you don't have to make now, right? That they're just like the way that th- things will be, and that's fine. And so, like being aware of them and being cognizant of how to make those things happen, I think is important. Um, meditation is has I've seen work for some people in debates. I know that we had a debater when I coached at Jewel that had like really, really high anxiety after rounds. And so they would just take uh, their app. I think they had the mindfulness app. um, They would take it five minutes, meditate, and be ready for the next round. Um, And that won't work for everybody. I know that when I tried meditating, it gave me like more anxiety. And so like, I don't do that. Um, But like, I think that it does work for some people, Um, but it doesn't matter what it is. You need to take five minutes in between rounds to decompress. If you want, I throw my earbuds in and listen to Carly Rae Jepsen because that really does actually put me in a very centered place. You
1: missed the the concert, guys. Yeah,
0: it was in in St. Louis. I'm pretty upset. I'm upsetty spaghetti. Um, But my point is, it's like it doesn't matter what you do, right? You could go go stare at a wall for five minutes if that's going to make you feel better, right? Um, Do speed drills, right? If that's going to make you feel better, if that's going to take your mind off of whatever just happened and get you ready to go into the next debate, that's good. The amount of times the debaters walk out of a round where a judge made a bad decision or they made a mistake and they go make the same mistake or go into the next round tilted and mess up again is too high, right? Like these things help you to wash that stuff off and then get into the next round and compete at a high level, right? Do not take the previous round into your next round. But you can prepare for that type of stuff by being ready for it, right? Does anybody have any questions? This is like very simple, I think. It's just do the thing that centers you. Right. And if you don't know what that is, then like if you don't know what the thing is, then like take time to find out. Right. Like take time to, to find out what makes you feel good and like takes your mind off things. Right. does That make sense. I think this will also nice. like like this is one of the rules that a couple of coaches that I've seen uh, talk to is they never use um, bathrooms that are close to the tournament happening because debaters go throw up in them before rounds um, because nerves are so high. I think that doing, taking those five minutes are the things that help that anxiety disappear, right? Like if you don't feel that type of pressure on yourself, then like you are mentally and physically healthier when you go into the round, right? It doesn't matter who you're debating. Center yourself and go beat them. All right, does anybody have any questions? That's all my time. So how many Red Bull do you think is not a- <laughs> how, many red, <laughs> how many Red Bull is too many? One. How many red Bull- Before, like, so are you just, like, doing this? Or are you just, like, <laughs> chug water, <laughs> chug Red Bull? <laughs> there are
3: times where I've done that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, like, it tastes, like, ass. Wow. It does, obviously. Red Bull's
0: not bad.
1: Nobody drinks Red Bull and is like, yum. That's
0: it tastes like battery drink. acid. It does. It gets the job done. Yeah. yeah. It, like, burns. It, it, honestly, honestly, it's like Dr. Pepper to me. I don't think Dr. Pepper tastes that good, and it burns my throat when it goes down, but I love it. <laughs> like, I'm like, I need it. It makes me feel alive. I feel like this is what added to my <laughs> That is, yeah. I love it. yeah, that's the problem with debaters. You're like, I need I need to feel a little bit of pain to feel alive, yeah, right? Yeah, like.
2: Here, here's another another tip to help you prepare for tournaments that I tell all my students about, but it's hard to do. But I think when you do it, it's also stolen from other lectures, but that's fine. It's whatever. Um, is when you're at the it. schedule before tournaments and trying to, like, familiarize yourself with the, like, landscape of the tournament you're about to go to, one of the things. Debated. And that is relevant because like your brain is a trainable like organ. And especially before big tournaments that you care a lot about as a person and a competitor, you can then do things like for the two weeks prior to that tournament. If I know that two or three times during the tournament, I'm debating at 8 a.m. For two weeks, wake up at 7, like and then do something mentally strenuous at 8 a.m. So that your brain learns to spin up at that time and that time of the day. It is a very real phenomenon that, like, you will see yourself be written. And because, like, at those tournaments in those early rounds, the people who have the most energy and are the most on top of themselves have, like, absurd win rates in the 8 o'clock rounds. It's like a place where you can gain, like, a big advantage over the field. People, like, rolled out of bed, like, didn't have time to shower because their teammates took too long. Like, whatever. (laughs) There's, like, any number of factors that, like put people in a bad way for that 8 a.m. round. But if you have trained your brain to be ready for that round, like you can just crush it. The same thing on the other end too, like what if there's like a 7 p.m. healing day that you know like you're gonna be then start doing stuff at 7 p.m. every day for like the two weeks leading up. So 7 p.m is like a time that your brain's like ready to go. And <clears throat> it's like little things like that. Like it just takes two weeks to train your brain. It doesn't take any longer than that. It's absurd to do that for every tournament. The schedules are different. You just feel like messing with your body all the time you could definitely take the time that you would support to start putting and it's like do homework then or like use like one of those like brain teaser apps that's meant to like keep you stimulated or whatever. whatever it Have a routine after tournaments, too. Like we were with David was talking about and uh, Alex was talking about getting things done on Mondays and stuff like that, really. But also, maybe even more important than Mondays, is just having a routine that you always do. Like, X time of Mondays is the time that I go over first. X time on Tuesday is the time that I first start cutting cards. It's like having a routine but through the week. Like And that routine can be different. It's a different routine if you have a tournament coming up that week. It's a different routine if you have back-to-back tournaments, and there's in between but because those weeks school work is going to be really important because you've lost two back-to-back weekends and so there's like other priorities that maybe debate has to take a back seat and you have to rely on the fact that you're debating two weekends in a row to keep you fresh and keep you rolling and so like identify like which routine to implement based on your schedule so if it's a normal like every other week uh, you have a tournament and none of them are back to back and you start to figure out like what does my routine need to be to like recover from a tournament but not too long because then you forget about debate and things aren't fresh anymore and it's hard to get restarted. And just like create for yourself this like ramp up of work and some kind of like uh, routine that you follow in preparation of debates and certain scheduled works. So like that way you know like it's Tuesday, I I know I'm supposed to be doing something right now, but I'm not sure I remember what it is. And a lot of times if you don't have a routine, you'll just be like, ah oh, whatever, I'll
0: figure it out tomorrow. Or like I'll wait <laughs> till the, the TV. You know, let's say. I do that with my homework a lot. I'll be like, I know I'm supposed to do something today, but I don't know what it is because I haven't established a routine where, like, I do homework at Tuesdays on 5, at 5. Right? And I think that establishing that routine is right. Especially,
2: like, because debate, the kind of things you have to do are so repetitive, having a routine really helps you just be like, okay, it's that time again. This is, like, where I have to rethink, like, decide if I need to do a speech review. Like, maybe Mondays are speech review day. Maybe Tuesdays are, like, mapping out research for the rest of the weekday. Um, Because, like... And maybe you just map on Tuesday. You don't have to maybe maybe Tuesday is the day you take off completely. Like you map what you need to do and then stop, like do some other stuff, do class, do like friends stuff, like whatever. Um, and make Mondays speech review is just really good because it's the freshest. And then Tuesday you take off, but you plan Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so that you don't get like crammed on Friday, but like you know exactly what you need to accomplish on Wednesday and Thursday. And you just kind of like uh, curve yourself back up into tournament mode.
1: Mm-hmm.